Hello everyone, this is Yvonne for another episode of A to Easy and today we will be talking about renal stones which from personal experience it was a horrible terrifying OSCE station that we went through three years ago but first let's say hello to Harry. Hey everyone, yeah I remember that station actually. The one good thing about it though is that if you said I would like to offer the patient analgesia they immediately like quieten down as if it was suddenly in effect. It was a great <laughs> great little magic trick there so I'd advise doing that. Um, but yeah, yes. hello. <laughs> um, so, renal stones. So, renal stones, more fancy words, nephrolithiasis, basically encompasses the formation of all types of urinary calculi, calculi is another word for stones, in the kidney, which may deposit along anywhere in the entire urogenital tract, so from your kidneys to your ureters to the urethra. And showing off my Greek heritage here, yes, I know, uh, I cannot help myself. So nephros is in Greek, kidney, and lithos in Greek is stone. So nephrolithiasis basically means kidney stones. Okay, I get it, you're Greek. Okay, so renal <laughs> stones or nephrolithiasis, who gets them? Okay, so there are so many risk factors, including low fluid intake, high sodium, high purine diet or low potassium diets which result in high calcium uric acid and oxalate levels in the urine which therefore promote stone formation. Here it is important to note that urinary stones are most commonly composed of calcium oxalate. So if your consultant asks which is the most common cause? Calcium oxalate. Causes include hypercalciuria and other associations is IBD and if you would really like to impress, there are less common stones made up of uric acid, which are usually seen in conditions like gout or high cell turnover, such as leukemia. We also have struvite, which is due to infection with uris proteating bacteria, so proteus. And we also have, which is also associated with stackhorn calculi, which is that thing that looks like a mini tree. I think I can describe it like that. And then we have calcium phosphate, which is seen in hyperparathyroidism, or cysteine, which is due to hereditary conditions. Okay, so risk factors, low fluid intake, too much sodium, and too many purines, which are you know, part of your purines, pyrimidines, or whatever it is in DNA. And then um, you've got types of stones that you should know, the most common of which is calcium oxalates, so that's your buzzword um, for like most of them, and they are radio-opaque. And then you've got other niche stones, like if you've got gout, it's associated with urate stones. If you've got staghorn calculi, that's associated with struvite. And you could also get calcium phosphate stones, which are associated with hyperparathyroidism, which is high calcium. And the main thing overall is that they present with horrible pain. Exactly. Right? Although I have yet to see actually a patient presenting with renal conic in real life, in our OSCE. I have. It was Ooh. great. Yeah, I was. it was a night shift in, in, oh, I can't say where. I was doing a night shift on in some form of emergency department. And yeah, this guy came over with just the classic pain, which we'll talk about. And yeah, it's a bit later, but the pain management, he just, he literally sounded like, you are a genius. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I just gave him his pain meds. <laughs> yeah, so basically, the uh, patient presents in agony. And trust me, in an OSCE setting, it felt very, very real. Yeah, that, that guy would not stop moaning. 
Yeah, it's just like so intense. The actors just go for it. They give the performance of their lives. Anyhow, so nephrolithiasis manifests as a sudden onset colicky flank pain that may radiate to the groin. The reason that is, is because the stone moves from the renal pelvis down the ureters to the bladder and so on. But remember, it's not actually necessary that the pain radiates. So basically, I remember in my station, it threw me completely off because the pain wasn't radiating and I was expecting it to be radiating. Mm. So it is extreme pain. It may radiate, but it's not necessary. Also, they may be nauseous and want to vomit. That's due to the pain being so intense. Okay, so anyone who presents with flank pain, which may or may not radiate, so it could be loin to groin pain, we should consider renal calculi and renal colic, therefore, in our differential. Exactly. It is most commonly also associated with hematuria, which means basically blood in the urine. So always remember to include renal stones in your differentials for hematuria too. So we have this patient who's sort of writhing around on the bed there in excruciating pain, which can be either intermittent or constant, and it can be radiating to the groin, and there's possibly blood in their urine. What do we do next? Well, as with anyone presenting to A&E with acute abdominal pain, one must take... An A2E approach. Precisely. Following, you would like to do an abdominal examination, and then moving to investigations, how do we usually categorise our investigations? Bedside bloods imaging. Yes, always remember your structure. So firstly, we have bedside tests such as urine dip and urine microculture and sensitivity. Secondly, we have bloods including FPC, CRP to include for inflammatory markers in case of an associated infection, and use the knees to assess renal function. You could also consider investigating for other underlying causes such as urate levels, bone profile, and phosphate for hyperparathyroidism. And since we're taking bloods, it's also important to check for clotting in case percutaneous intervention is necessary. Last, but certainly not the least, we have imaging. The gold standard investigation, in fact, is non-contrast CTKUB, which stands for CT kidneys, ureters, and bladder. CTKUB. It is used to detect the stone. As Harry mentioned, it is radiopaque. And it's quite useful also in detecting other pathologies such as AAA or bowel pathology, which lends itself to investigate our differential diagnosis. It's also quite important to consider that in females of fertile age or in pregnant women, we need to consider an ultrasound instead. And sometimes plain abdominal radiographs may be used. However, they're not very sensitive, so not commonly done. Okay, so we take a systematic approach and the diagnostic test is a non-contrast, obviously, CTKUB. And in pregnant women, you would also consider doing an ultrasound instead to minimise radiation. So we've diagnosed the patient, we've picked up the stone. How do we manage them? As we have a patient in front of us with, with this excruciating pain, we need to consider some pain relief in terms of analgesics and interference line. Commonly, it's PR diclofenac. It can also be given as IM, depending on availability, but commonly it is PR diclofenac. Yeah, so with the guy uh, we treated, he, he we gave him PR diclofenac, which as you can imagine, he was not that keen on. And then, so he went from riding around on the bed in pain to just being like totally chilled out and was, that's when he was like, you are incredible. I was like, really? No, I've not done anything for you. Anyway, so <laughs> m- main thing is remember, um, non-steroidals for the pain, PR diclofenac, IM diclofenac. 
And then what? Then we deal with the actual stones. So the management is quite complex and usually is specialist-led. We will try to simplify it and break it down so it's easy to remember. So first of all, we have to categorize it in obstructed and unobstructed. Ureteric obstruction due to stones together with infection is a surgical emergency and the system must be decompressed. Options include nephrostomy tube placement, insertion of ureteric catheters and ureteric stent placement in order to provide an outlet for the urine. And it's so crucial to actually do nephrostomy or stenting in a case of infected obstructive system. Okay, so in obstruction, is it blocked off? We need to decompress with options such as nephrostomy, which is a Greek word, let me guess, nephros, kidney, stoma, mouth, opening thing, yeah? Exactly. <laughs> did, I, did I do it okay? Is that is that good enough? I approve. <laughs> so, as for management of the renal stones in non-emergency settings, it really depends on the size as well as the location of the stone. So taking our conservative medical and surgical approach, conservatively, if the stone is less than one centimeter, we use analgesia and watch and wait for the stone to pass. We also need to modify risk factors such as hydrate the patients. And then medical management can include tamsulosin in less than one centimeter stones in the ureters, which is an alpha-1 antagonist which helps with expulsion. And then surgical management is typically minimally invasive procedures for stones larger than one centimeter. These include extracorporeal shockwave lithotripsy, which I understand is a mouthful, so I will try to repeat. Extracorporeal shockwave lithotripsy. Or much more commonly just called ESWL in spelling. <laughs> exactly. U- ureteroscopy. And in case of large kidney stones, percutaneous nephrolithotomy, which basically means going through the skin to remove the stone. Open surgery remains an option for selected cases. So, conservative medical surgical approach, depending on the size and the location of the stone. Small stones, less than one centimetre, can probably be treated conservatively with hydration, analgesia, which is the big thing, and stones bigger than one centimetre you can consider giving shockwave lithotripsy, which uses shockwaves to break the stones into smaller fragments that they can pass through, which, to be clear, is contraindicated in pregnant women because you can't shockwave a baby. Um, Uteroscopy, on the other hand, is when shockwave lithotripsy is contraindicated, and then you can do percutaneous nephrolithotomy, which is accessed through the skin and allows treatment for larger stones. So, shockwave lithotripsy, uteroscopy, percutaneous nephrolithotomy. Tempted to break down the Greek meaning of nephrolithotomy, but you had enough of that already. So, in any, case, <laughs> in any case, let's not forget to consider preventative measures, with number one being adequate hydration. So, keep drinking water, everyone. It's good for you. And collected stones should be sent for chemical analysis to detect the type of stone, which can further guide any specific lifestyle guidance, such as diet changes and or initiation of medical management to prevent future stone formation, basically. Hi everyone, this is Sally and I'm here with your summary on renal stones. Renal stones are commonly composed of calcium oxalate. They present with severe, intermittent or continuous flank pain, which may radiate to the groin. Associated features include hematuria. The gold standard investigation is a CTKUB. 
Initial treatment involves analgesia with PR diclofenac. Infective uretic obstruction is treated with nephrostomy or stenting. Meanwhile, non-emergency treatment includes expectant management with hydration in stones less than one centimetre, or alternatively, shockwave lithotripsy or percutaneous nephrolithotomy can also be considered. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.